friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Grave History, a Macabre History podcast. I'm Teddy. I'm Katrina. And we are your hosts. And tonight, I'm back in charge again. Oh yeah. Which is very exciting. Um, Sorry, I was drinking Coke. (laughs) Stop trying to get plugged by Coke. I'm not trying to get plugged by Coke, I'm just really feeling it. I've just been lost in the sauce the last few weeks. (laughs) Is it twisted strawberry again? No, or have it's you just normal? it's just plain diet coke. But you know the the other night when we tried to record for the first time, um, and mm. I was like, I can't drink this because it's full of ice and it's making a noise. I did not learn my lesson, and I'm holding a glass full of ice again. <laughs> It'll be good sound effects. It's fine. It's it fine. is kind of ASMR-ish, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, as Katrina mentioned, this is not the first time trying to record this. It is no. the second. Yes. Um, our latest curse, because we seem to be racking them up, uh, <laughs> kind of killed your audacity, didn't it? It killed my. I mean, my laptop's not very good because it's not really designed to have a lot of storage space because it's, mm. it's it's just a notebook really. Um, so oh, fair. which means I can't really play many games on it, which sucks because I love games. Um, Boo. or like you know. Uh, but I've cleaned a bunch of stuff out, and hopefully we're going to be okay this time. Alrighty. So, but I've just got to pretend to be surprised, and you've got to yeah. pretend to find my jokes funny uh, for the second yeah. time. You've still got to laugh uproariously at my content. Oh, I will. All Good. of it. Even I will even laugh at the serious bits, yes. Good, perfect, that's what I want. Uproariously. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe maybe the curse is, is over... Yeah, maybe if I can get to the bit about Dublin Jack, he'll like cleanse us. Yes. And then we'll be okay. You know what? I actually think I actually think the cursed bone I found has is not cursed. I think it's blessed because I've had a pretty good day. Huh. Yeah, I know, there we right? Go. I found a I found a human bone yesterday. <laughs> and was... It's normal, it's normal. It happens. It yeah. happens all the time because it's been raining really heavily and we were in a cemetery, so a bunch of bones mm. washed up. Me and my flatmate went on a bone quest to see if we could find any. And we succeeded! <laughs> Woo! Yay! While also mocking Harry Potter tourists. Oh yeah, we were basically there to point and laugh at Harry Potter tourists and, you know, maybe engage in a bit of light bullying if they tried to engage us. <laughs> which, which they didn't, but, you know. Oh, that's something. There it is. But yes, so, um, yeah, we kind of got about halfway through last time. We did, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then it died a death. It... <laughs> R.I.P. And um, now we're here again. Yeah, we can give it another fresh take, though. I've already forgotten, oh, all of it. So, yeah, which is great. It's very yeah, useful. Exactly. It's good. And start afresh and anew. But um, this topic is kind of a sequel to our last one, which we, which, mm-hmm. well, which you pointed out on the on the audio itself. Yeah, it's um, like a direct sequel. Yeah, it is a direct sequel. It takes place about four, exactly four years later. Is that yep. correct? Yeah, yeah, four years later. Um, also the year after the Ripper murders, if that's how you uh, divide your timeline, which is how I do. <laughs> is it pre or post? It is post. It is one year post. One year post. PRM, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is sort of, I mean, both of them are um, influenced a lot by the Maiden Tribute case. Or Maiden yes. Tribute case? Is it a case? Um, I gen. I mean, it's not really a case. I refer to it as a media event really mm. yeah the maiden tribute event that one yeah because the only real thing that was in it was the eliza armstrong case which was just mm. a part of it but yeah that was yeah um but it's after the criminal amendment act yes that's the important part yeah so yeah so if we remember the criminal amendment cap 
cat? Oh my god. <laughs> the Criminal Amendment Act. What did yep. it make illegal, kids? It made illegal brothels uh-huh. and homosexuality. And what happens if you mix the two? You get Cleveland Street. You do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Not, the, not the whole street, just this one part. <laughs> just 19. Number just 19. Nine, which 19 actually Cleveland Street. doesn't exist anymore. Did you Have you done like a walk there to see what's I've done a walk there? to part of it. Okay. Because I, um, I went to an open day or an open evening at Birkbeck. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. And when I realised, you know, it was pretty close by, I was like, right, right, we have to go. I need to walk that way. I think I posted a picture of the street sign on you our did. Instagram. Yes, you did. Yeah, you absolutely. but did. it uh, got absorbed into the hospital and then I think the hospital got either removed or something. Is this, which hospital is this? Uh, the one on Cleveland Street. It's the Middlesex Hospital, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's the one that I wrote a huge paper on. So ah, most, yes. ne- nearly all the hospital is gone, apart mm. from the chap- Fitzrovia Chapel, the facade of the Radium Wing, and mm. a couple of annexes. There you um, go. But yeah, so it's completely gone now. Which ah, is, yeah, ah. there you go. But yeah, 19 was absorbed Yes, into that. Um, for a while, people tried to claim it was still there and it had been renumbered. Um, um, which did happen, but that yeah, had oh, happened yeah. already in like the eighteen seventies, I think. Mm-hmm. So, not possible. It's gone. That's fine. Yeah, no, I've definitely walked down Cleveland Street. It's, mm. it's, all, it's all coming back to me now. Um, yeah, there's, a, there's there's a ton of new builds down there. So mm, it's um, mostly new builds, if I yeah, remember totally. rightly. Yeah, and it's, it's a shame because the the hospital buildings were so beautiful, but um, yeah, <laughs> as hospital buildings often are. I'll have to do a proper walk down there. I have this book, which is like hospital, um, medic, like like walking London's medical history is what it's called. Mm. Um, so you basically do like these self guided tours, and there's oh, that's that, cool. There's that one, and then there's one through like sort of near King's Cross down mm-hmm. towards um, where the Great Ormond Street Hospital is, and then there's one yeah. in Soho, which is pretty cool. I was in Great Ormond Street. The for treatment? No, I was in the the Great Ormond Street Hospital. Aren't you a bit old to be treated? No, there? like when I was little. Oh right, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that makes I went sense. in there as a full grown adult. Treat me, treat me. <laughs> um, it sounds whimsical yeah. as hell. Yes, let's get yes. into the timeline. Yes, because what I've done that's quite fun is I had a little look into kind of. Um, since we're talking about the illegality of homosexuality in Britain, mm-hmm. um, I have used both a, a, a mixture of terms. I've both used gay men and homosexual men. Yes. Um, mostly I used homosexual men because it makes more sense in the kind of era. Yes. And a lot of the, the laws and comments and acts were kind of... They used the term, obviously, homosexual men. Um, yes. The yes. term gay didn't come into usage until a lot later. Which actually. is probably the nicest term. Um, mm. I, yeah, I was reading about, you know, um, uh, queer history and like the, mm. um, specifically in the Victorian period. And the, I think my favourite word that they, euphemism that they used was invert. Yeah. That's quite a... Because <laughs> it's an yeah. inversion of naturalness. Yes, exactly. Which is, mm. 
I, I think I, I'd be interested if someone reclaimed that because yeah, it's such I a weird be. word. It's such a weird term. But um, the term homosexual had actually only come into usage in, I believe, the eighteen sixties. Oh, okay. Yeah, created by um, a Hungarian scientist, I think. I wrote it down. I don't have it in my main notes. His name was but... Victor Homosexual, and he wanted to name something after himself. Um, but yeah. So, um, in terms of uh, civil law regarding um, specifically sodomy, I will be very specific about that. Yes. Um, because it, it, the rule, the laws have kind of been a bit interesting. I'll say. In terms of what they actually made illegal and what they didn't. Mm. Um, so, for example, the original uh, civil law regarding sodomy was in 1533. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called the Buggery Statute. That's a very funny word, I'm sorry. an act for the punishment of the vice of buggery. <laughs> I do like the word. It's it's just, a, it's a funny word, I'm sorry. Yeah, they also spell it with an I-E that's, at the end, oh, that's which so is interesting. Wh- that's so whimsical, I love it. Oh no. Mm. And um, um, when we say sodomy, because um, the term can has been broadly used, um, yeah. we are referring specifically... To, uh, I'm gonna say the act because I'm gonna be delicate and classy. Um, <laughs> whereas in it, it has been really broadly used to just basically mean anything that's not married heterosexuality mm-hmm. and also not too freaky. Uh, exactly. We are referring to a specific act when we say that. Yeah, I mean, I will be saying it less delicately in just a moment. <laughs> um, but it was initiated by Henry VIII. Yes. Uh, it was the country's first civil sodomy law. Previous to that, it would have been dealt with um, by ecclesiastical means. Okay. So, Because it was regarded as an unnatural sex act against the will of God and man. So it was seen as more of a kind of church matter than a civil matter. Um, and it made this particular homosexual activity illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, and punishable by death. Mm. Um, but it was hard to get a conviction for because a witness had to have actually witnessed penetration. <laughs> and you know that led that led to some really funny but awkward scenarios back mm. in back in old. I was about to say medieval England, but that's not true, is it? Um, it does make it kind of interesting, though, as in why were you witnessing? Yes. This act? But there That's, was no way to convict people for that on its own. It begs a lot of questions. Yeah. But the law was used um, specifically for the act of uh, buggery. Specifically mm-hmm. anal sex. We are re- referring only to that. There it is. Um, at the moment. Mm-hmm. And also bestiality. Because obviously those two are the same. Well, I mean... Could be performed in the same method, if you know what I mean. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so that law basically stays in place until 1828, okay. um, when it's replaced by the Offences Against the Person Act. Yes. Uh, this only applied to England and Wales, but a similar law was placed a year later in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Scotland are just continuing on with the buggery statute. They're happy with it. Oh, we loved it. <laughs> You're like, no, no, this works. This yeah, is good. Fine. This is fine. Pardon me. Um, 
<laughs> I will not pardon you. Please. You you have to live your life unpardoned. How does that feel? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, so in 1861, uh, you get another offences against the person act. Yep. But in this one, the death penalty is actually abolished, which is good news. Oh, so so you could you could be it was a it was a capital offense. Mm. In, okay, I, I actually didn't know that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah, if you were successfully convicted of buggery, uh, you could be killed. You would. That was punishable by death. Yikes. Mm. Um, I will say it was replaced with penal servitude, <laughs> which is. What got them into this mess in the first place? <laughs> We're adults. I'm cool. um, but for a minimum of ten years, but it could be a life sentence. Mm, okay. Um, but it's still hard to get a conviction for, because again, you still have to have an eyewitness. Um, I bet there were some really funny court transcripts. Oh, yeah. Yes. I would love to go through those <laughs> and find them. Exactly. Oh my god. But yeah, 1885, we get the Criminal Law Amendment Act. And why did we get that? Because of W.T. Sturd. But Our specifically, this section is called the Labouchere Amendment. Yeah. Um, now, I will go into a bit more detail about him later, because there is a bit more to it than just a guy who created an amendment for the law. Um, but essentially, it increased the kind of net with which you could uh convict gay men. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, this was this was this was yeah. the one where they did away with the witness thing. Mm-hmm. So it now also outlawed oral sex. Uh it also outlawed soliciting or attempting to solicit. How on earth uh, does one men. police that that be attempting to solicit? You look like you're trying to y- get laid. You look like you're trying to get laid but like in a gay way, not in a straight yeah. way. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen you. I've not seen you looking at any boobs. <laughs> Get back to that. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, but this uh, was alongside the previous um, outlaws of buggery, which we have already. Uh-huh. Um, the punishment, if convicted, was two years or less in prison, with or without hard labour. And I think I'll take that without the hard labour. Yeah, I'm gonna take Thank that you. without the hard labour. Maybe yeah. light on the whole prison thing. Mm. Like with a side of prison, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just have prison like as the side, not as the entree. Yeah. No, I'm I mean... getting something else, don't worry. <laughs> I actually ate before I came out, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so that then stays in place, basically, um, until 1967. Yeah, we talked about this a bit last time. Mm. Which is kind of crazy. There's, um, in 1956, which is the year my mum was born... Um, oh, there is... Actually, I think that's the year my mum was born. Do we have yeah. the same mum? No. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a plot twist? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's an act in, the ni- in 1956 which replaces the 1861 amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual laws aren't changed until 1967. Makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. It's the free love era. It was a Makes sense that year. we would be changing things then. I, I I was trying to think of anything that happened in 1967, but unfortunately I can't think of a single thing. Wasn't it The Summer of Love? That was 69. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. I think, though, if I remember from a Sophia Nygaard video, 
That is the year people tried to lift the Pentagon with their mind. And this year, 50 years later, we're going to rush Area 51. We're going to Naruto run. Oh, sorry, yes, I forgot that <laughs> I genuinely really kind of hope some people try it, but I also don't want anyone to die. <laughs> yeah, I'm also just like, okay, you've got the they can't stop all of us mentality, but can you use it in like an effective way? For an effective what's, thing? What's more effective than going to Area 51 and letting the aliens free? That's maybe, true. Maybe they can help us. May, oh God, they seem like the only ones. I really hope they Please. They It'll be like in... Oh, what's that film? Mars Attacks. Yeah. You know, where they just, where they just vaporise everyone. Tim, oh. Tim Burton when he still had balls. Uh-huh. God, I love that film. It's a great film. Uh, but yeah, so in 1967, uh, the Sexual Offences Act... They decriminalised homosexual activity in England and Wales uh-huh. uh, in private between two consenting men over the age of 21. Well, that's homophobic. Was, yeah. So in this wasn't decriminalised in Scotland until 1980 and Northern Ireland until 1982. Yikes. Yeah. Way behind there. Really? Yeah. I'm just like, guys... I mean, Northern Ireland, I'm not as surprised by because they are so heavily Christian. I am going to but... assume it's maybe one of those things that kind of keeps being illegal just because people have forgotten that it exists, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, hoping that's like, what it is. Like, like cannibalism laws in some places. <laughs> you know, like how it, uh, in some yeah. places it's not technically illegal because they're like, we don't mm. need to make a law about that. And then it turns out something happens and they're like, maybe we should make a law about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so then in 1994, yeah. um, I'm born now. Yay. I, so are you, right? Uh, yes, I was. I forgot what year I was born for a second. <laughs> <laughs> 1993. <laughs> okay, there we go. Uh, the age of consent for gay men is brought down to 18 after a failed attempt by a Tory politician, if I remember correctly, oh. uh, to equalise the consent age with that of heterosexual people. 16. Yes. 16? Yes, 16. Which hasn't changed since 1885. No, it has not. No. Um, then in 2000, the Sexual Offences Amendment Act equalised the age of consent between queer and straight people throughout the UK. Mm-hmm. And in 2003, gross indecency and buggery are finally repealed from statutory law and sexual activity between more than two men is no longer criminalised in the entirety of the UK. Oh, really? Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. How nice. So not only can you have sex now, you can have sex with multiple men. You can have sex twice at the same time. Yeah. That's double sex. You can have so much sex. Sex and squared. And it's not illegal. Yeah, it's really not illegal. I love doing <laughs> things that aren't illegal. Just give me a give me a thrill. <laughs> just on that kind of cusp. Yeah, yeah, I like doing stuff that's like just on the edge. Yeah, you know, like I'm not breaking, but I'm entering. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm bending and entering. <laughs> what I'm doing is I am dancing on the lip of illegality. Yeah. To be fair, Enjoying bending and entering. Enjoying the perilous tug. No, bending it, and entering makes it sound like you're limboing into places. Actually, I have I have urban explored by crawling through some very ridiculous places before, so that's not entirely inaccurate. I was gonna say it doesn't not sound like something you do. <laughs> yeah, a lot of my legs are pretty immune to nettle stings at this point. Oh, fair. 
somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, always don't don't go bare legs when you're. That's a stupid idea. No, don't, don't do, do that. that. Which I did more than once because oh, I don't no. learn. <laughs> Ice in the drink. Ice in the drink. Yeah. You're a mm. fool in man's shoes. I am a fool in man's shoes. Uh, yeah, but to get back to our kind of <laughs> yes, sir. window of time frame. That's not a term. Uh-huh. I'm making it a term. No. Time, um, time frame. Time frame, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the 1885 Labouchere Amendment, which I mentioned mm-hmm. a little bit earlier. Labouchere means the butcher. Ah, so it does. Uh, so Labouchere was a Liberal MP for Northampton, uh, mm-hmm. an ex-diplomat, but most importantly, kind of, um, at this time, the founding editor of, quote-unquote, Truth Magazine. And what happened in Truth Magazine? Um, its kind of selling point was exposing corruption and degeneration. Now, when you say degeneration... I mean the, the prostitutes ah. and gays. Because, and, I mean, that still gets used as like a homophobic mm-hmm. word nowadays. Degenerate, degeneration. Yeah, degenerates. I mean, um, I, I guess not by the mass media anymore. No, but <laughs> thank fuck. Most of the time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he was a friend of W.T. Stead, um, mm-hmm. and he wrote to Labouchere from prison, which we all know about. He loved being in prison. He oh, he loved it. Play. He had a, he had a he had a little uniform. Yeah, it was like it was like going to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter for him. <laughs> Didn't he also like only get two or three months or something? He got. Oh fuck! I, did, I think I think it was four months. Okay, and I had like. Was... No, I, it was either room. four months or eight months. It was some multiple of four. Um, <laughs> I can't remember, even though we did it so recently. But yeah, it was a very short yeah. sentence. But essentially, he he wrote to Labouchere, warning him of the rise in numbers of male prostitutes. Ha. So this like, was something that Mr. Stead was very concerned about. Yes. Spent because there might be young, young boys. Mm-hmm. 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 They're, they're out mm-hmm. there doing things. Illegally. I, well, quite. Mm. We can't um, have that. So because of this, Labouchere proposed his amendment to the 1885 Act very last minute. Um, <laughs> and while initially it was viewed as kind of making the existing laws look ridiculous, like, oh, do you think we haven't thought about this? Do you think we haven't covered this? Um, after a kind of speech, I think it was about a four-minute speech, that he gave about how they had to, you know, save London from the de- degeneracy of, of homosexuality. Um, he was able to push the amendment through, which essentially um, made homosexuality almost an entirety um, illegal. Okay. Uh, it made what's called gross indecency illegal. And what Broadway's... is gross indecency? Well, that's just the thing. It was never kind of fully defined. Uh-huh. But it essentially uh, made it possible to convict homosexual men without proof that sodomy had occurred. Okay, okay, okay. So you could you could um, con- uh, arrest someone on, like, hearsay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, as I said, no definition of gross indecency was given, making the law kind of purposefully vague. Alright. Um, but it was this law that led to both Oscar Wilde and Alan Turing's convictions. So 
Oh, that was sad. Fuck this Laura in particular. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, uh, Alan Turing chose chemical castration over conviction, or over mm-hmm. prison time. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yay. He was a gay icon. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched a show about the history of computers the other day, and they talked about Bletchley Park and did not mention Alan Turing. <laughs> what? Yeah. These were, did they mention... Uh, Le- no, Ada Lovelace. Oh my god, I was about to say nope. Linda Lovelace. Nope. <laughs> That's a different person. Um, they didn't mention Ada Lovelace. Nope. They Did mentioned they mention- some other guy from Bletchley Park, and I'm like, okay. Ah, uh, some other guy. Yeah, who wasn't Alan Turing and was probably straight. Ugh. I see you. Anyway. Illegal. So, the law, I actually have, like, the section 11 of the Criminal Amendment Act written down. Oh. And it's both very vague, but also very complicated. Which is the perfect law to to uh, discriminate against mm. people under. It's that perfect, like, sweet spot. Yes. But let me read you it, because it is... It's both terrible in sort of what it's doing, but also it's just terrible to read. Please. So, this is all one sentence, okay? Oh, that's how they like to write things back then. Mm-hmm. Any male person who in public or private commits or is party to the commission of or procures or attempts to procure the commission of uh, by any male person of any act of gross indecency with any other male person shall be guilty of a misdemeanor and shall be convicted thereof and being convicted thereof sorry shall be liable at the discretion of the court to be imprisoned for any term not exceeding two years with or without hard labor. That is one of those sentences that you forget what what it is halfway through. Yeah, and you just have to start it again. Like, mm-hmm. um, but a couple of people, uh, including a famous poet at the time, who was very kind of pro the idea of homosexuality being very kind of cerebral because of its links to ancient Greece. You, well, yes, I was about to say they uh, the Victorians uh, love the ancient Greeks. So, yeah, you know, you think they'd be down with the culture. Mm. There was actually a term that was like. I want to say it was Uranian love uh-huh. that they so, used a lot. Um, I think he... I, I think you may be correct. Uh, I'm not going to look it up in case I anger my computer. <laughs> I, I, I think you may be correct on that one. Okay. Um, yeah. He took specific kind of problem with the section that was or attempts to procure the commission by any male person of. Because uh-huh. you don't have to have any proof. You can just say... I heard this person trying to do X. Yes. So it left a lot of it open to blackmail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be exceedingly easy to blackmail people with that. And that could end a person's entire career slash life. Mm, as it did. Yeah. Um, But that brings us to, quote-unquote, the main event. <laughs> Are you alright? I just woke up from a nap. So I I can't I don't I can't nap, dude. I feel like I've been hit by a train when I woke up. Mm, I did it's that thing where you accidentally just go into REM and then you're like, right. And then you just wake up and you feel like you're being catapulted through seven like <laughs> dimensions of hell. Yep. Yeah. That, exactly that, that. That's why I don't nap because that happens to me every time. <laughs> I like the feeling. <laughs> Lost in the source. So picture the scene. We're in 1889. It's London. It smells a bit. Yeah. Um, 
the Ripper murders have happened fairly recently, but not so recently that they're still really in the public consciousness because so much horrible stuff happens in London. Well, they were still kicking around. Yeah. I mean, so the the, the Whitechapel murders are continuing, meanwhile. Yeah, that's true. The kind of... But, you know, sorry, we're not here to get into that. Come on. No. We're also, surprisingly, not in East London. We are in... No! The fancy north-central part of London. We are in Fitzrovia. Mm. Close to Bloomsbury. Yeah. It's ever so slightly bougie. It is. It's very bougie. Home of my alma mater, uh, ah. UCL, which is a university. It is indeed. It's also, hopefully, <laughs> nearby to my future university. Oh, good God. Yes. <sighs> hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Did- Sorry, I was about to start asking you university <laughs> questions as if we weren't talking on a podcast now. Come on, no, yeah. we're professional. Um, so, uh, I think I mentioned last time there's a Beau Brummel statue in Fitzrovia. I'm going to mention that again. And I'm still not over that. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't believe I didn't see I it. I know, you, you missed out. I will go to it and take a picture with it just for you. Please. I will. I'll do that for you. Don't worry. I won't believe it till I, till I see it. But the fun thing about this um, case and the whole kind of story of it is it was kind of discovered by chance. All the best stories are. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where it's like, if, you know, one person hadn't been asked the questions, if that one person hadn't been in work that day, they might have never found it. Just like just like the hit HBO show Chernobyl. Oh... I really need I told to watch you, that. I told you I'd do it. I, 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 it was great, and I mean awkwardly slotting it into every conversation. <laughs> it's I good. Just, I'm going to bring up my favourite tweet again, my favourite Shane Madey tweet, which is, if the year doesn't start with a high-tension historical drama starring Jared Harris, then what the fuck are you doing? Just makes you question what's coming next year. Yeah. Oh my god, what's he going to do next? Oh, I really hope they make one about like the Cuban Missile Crisis. Ooh, that um, would be interesting. Uh, and he, who was, who was the head of Cuba? The head of Cuba. That's not the term. Oh my god. He <laughs> uh, can't play the presidente of Cuba. It would be. Uh, he has the range, darling. <laughs> He's too white, and we're moving away from that. <laughs> but yes. So, what happened was. Uh, Central Telegraph office reported a theft uh-huh. um, and during an investigation of it, uh, during a routine inspection by one PC uh, Luke Hanks which is a no very relation. modern name. No relation to Tom Hanks. Sadly no. He's his great uh, great grandfather I think. But that's a very modern name for a Victorian person. Oh, Luke's a biblical name. That's so. true, but Hanks yeah. just seems kind of I don't know. The combination seems weird. Um, Luke, it it does sound like it does sound like Tom Hanks' uh, handsome son, mm. who's more handsome than Colin Hanks. That's true, and subsequently probably gets better roles. Yeah, uh, he finds a fifteen-year-old telegram boy or telegraph boy, sorry, uh, called Charles Swinsco, mm-hmm. in possession of eighteen shillings. Um, Whoa! Which is roughly about seventy-four pounds. I dream of owning seventy-four pounds. Maybe um, one day. One day you will get that much. One day. One day I will. One day maybe I might have three figures in my bank account. Who knows? We can but dream. We can but dream. 
Um, um, but that was more than two weeks' wages. Yeah. And they weren't supposed to carry their own personal money with them because um, the nature of their work meant that they often ended up with like delivery costs or delivery charges for doing uh-huh. the telegraph service. So they, they couldn't have their own personal money mix up with, with their work money. And because of this, uh, Mr. Hanks, PC Hanks, is instantly suspicious. Of course, uh-huh. fair enough. As you would be. And so... Why why was he going through his, his pocket or his, or his... I think it was just a routine kind of, we need to make sure what each of these boys has on their person in case they're, you know, stupid enough to keep the stolen money on their person. Ah, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Like, kind of process of elimination. Yes. Um. So the boy is accused of robbery, and he's brought in and questioned, and eventually admits that although the money, you know, it, it is his, he actually earned it working at a house on Cleveland Street. Um, in the somewhat... Well, I've, we already know it's somewhat affluent. Well, yeah, but yeah. even yeah. at the time, Fitzrovia was, was an affluent area. I think, yeah, I think it's always been fairly mm. affluent. Although, um, the, the, the hospital annex I mentioned before was mm. a workhouse. Ah. Uh, they, it's now being converted, or they finished converting it into luxury flats, so there you go. That is ironic. <laughs> uh, that's one word for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he admitted that he'd been working as a prostitute there for a man named Charles Hammond. Who he'd been introduced by to by another clerk, clerk, at the uh, the post office, an eighteen year old by the name of Henry Newlove. That's a great prostitute name. It is. It is. Uh, he also told him that two other boys in the police, the oh my god, two other boys in the post office were also working um, for Mister Hammond, and he named them because he's a snitch. This reminds me of that time I worked in like a fast food restaurant and a bunch of people weren't making enough money so they all were working for the same cleaning firm and the <laughs> boss got got mad and found out. <laughs> Cuz you know you got to be you got to be getting that bread however yeah, you can. You've got it. Exactly. Um so after confession was given by New Love cuz they found him pretty easily. Um mm-hmm. the case was given it was over name. to Yeah. The case was given to one of your faves. <gasps> Frederick Abilene, he's back. Oh, he is bae, he is fam, he is daddy. <laughs> oh, God. Abilene. Are you uh, going to stand who... by that? Yes, I am. I will stand by that in court if necessary. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was the uh, chief investigator on the Ripper case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he deserves so much better than being played by Johnny Depp in From Hell. Oh, God. It was so bad. He was played by Michael Caine in um I forget the name of the film, but it was mm. yeah, there was a uh, um came out in nineteen eighty eight for the centenary. Fair. Yeah, it's pretty good. But yeah, he, you know, wasn't in he wasn't having sex with Mary Kelly. He didn't die in an opium den. Nope. He didn't have like visions, sort of Sherlock Holmes esque. Sherlock Holmes did not have visions. Oh Sherlock, sorry, Sherlock. Oh, right, no, no, no. Sherlock Holmes was just, like, he was just having a good time on opium and snuff. And coke. <laughs> and cocaine, yes. Yes. Um, but good thing is, on this case, he does get some convictions. So, that's something. 
Yeah, I mean, by all that I've read about him, he was a pretty good detective, but that, yeah. the, I mean, the Ripper case was pretty much unsolvable from the get-go. Yeah. Um, yeah, they really made it unsolvable. I mean, we're not going to go into it, obviously, but no. he was he was a pretty good uh, investigator. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Um, both New Love and Hammond were found guilty under the Criminal Amendment Act, and a warrant was given out for their arrest. However, they turn up at night in Cleveland Street and it is not only empty, it is locked. Because for some reason, after they got a confession out of New Love, they didn't immediately arrest him. So he had time to go to Hammond, tell him what was happening, get him out, like give him time to escape, and then take himself to his mum's house in Camden. Oh, I bet that was a comedy sequence though, them packing and leaving the house. Like, there's a pair of pants kind of half hanging out of the suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the pants just... are like, the pants are like white and they've got red hearts on them. Exactly, exactly. It has to be that, otherwise what's yeah. the point? Exactly. And uh, yeah, in, in Camden, which is yeah. my, my old scuttling ground. There you go. This place, this case is just you all over. Oh, I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling mm. it, Mr. Krabs. It's your old stomping grounds. It's mm. Abilene. It's great. Abilene. It is yeah. great. Um, so, obviously New Love is found pretty quickly. Uh, Hammond has escaped to Gravesend. Nice. So, a bit further out than Camden. Uh, Yeah, Camden is, like, right next to... Yeah. I mean, I mean, if we're going by Victorian distance, then it's basically the next town Mm. over. That's true. Um. (laughs) It's kind of the sticks. (laughs) Camden being the sticks, goodness me, what a concept. Oh, God. Now it's just full of tourist shit. You can't go anywhere, dude. No, you can't. It's so you can't bad. even. You can't even get stabbed anymore. I know. Near Camden Market, what a disgrace! The thing oh. is, I think someone did get stabbed near Camden quite recently. So, oh, someone got stabbed in the street next to my dorm while I was living there. Oh so my yes, God. there is still a lot of stabs. Oh no, I mean like it was on the news on Absolute Radio today. Oh yeah, totally. No, no, no. There are loads yeah. of stabbings around there. I'm being facetious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like I remember when I was younger, my dad was like, "Oh, don't go under the bridge at Camden because you'll get attacked. Don't go to Camden in the dark because you'll get attacked." I, like, I didn't get attacked, but I have been offered weed many times. Yeah, same, <laughs> and other things, but mostly Among weed. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so when New Love gets arrested, that's where things start to get kind of juicy. Ooh. Because what New Love does, which is kind of clever, mm-hmm. is he starts naming clients. Okay. Now, the the nature of this particular brothel and its location means that the clients aren't just your normal kind of whoever. They're not, you know, mm-hmm. Jack off the street. He starts Jack by naming... <laughs> Jack off the um, <laughs> He starts by naming Lord Arthur Somerset. Yes, he's definitely not some jack off the street. Yep. He uh, is the head of the Prince of Wales stables. So, very... You need, you need to be a lord to be in charge of the Prince of yep. Wales stables? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, he also names a British army colonel. And Henry Fitzroy, whose name you... kind of tells you... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. 
So his family, um, his, I don't know what the name would be, but one of his ancestors um, built uh, or funded the building of, let's not pretend he built it himself, and <laughs> named Fitzroy Square in Fitzrovia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Henry Fitzroy is also the uh, Earl of Euston and uh, should really find his boys further afield. Yeah. You know what they say? You know what they say? Don't shit where you eat. Yeah. Uh, or <laughs> In this case, don't fuck where your family owns property. They should change the expression to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Lord Somerset was confirmed as a regular by several other boys. And they also hinted, hint, 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 and I won't say what I said last time because it angered you so much. Wait, wait, I've already forgotten. <laughs> I was going to say we have another kind of tenuous link to the Ripper case. Okay. In that they also hinted that Prince Albert Victor had visited. Oh, I remember why I threw into a rage. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. But this is genuinely very maddening. This is very maddening because you know what? There is absolutely no evidence whatsoever that Prince Albert Victor is anything, and I mean anything, to do with the Ripper murders. That's just a conspiracy theory that's been taken way too far. <laughs> By that film from hell. And among other things, I mean, it originated in a book called Jack the Ripper, The Final Solution, which is a, I'm going to say a bad title. Yeah. Um, by, uh, who's it by? Stephen Knight, that's who it was by. Mm. Um, who has the same, no, it's a slightly different name. He has almost the same name as the guy who directed Pacific Rim 2, which was a garbage fire. It was. Um, I'm so glad yes. that Pacific Rim was great and never had a sequel. Yeah, me too, me too. I just, mm. ooh. <laughs> Okay. Um but yeah, so as far as I've concerned I just it's the same guy in my head, so as far as I'm concerned. Um <laughs> okay. I can blame him twice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sorry, sorry, where were we? So yeah, they also hinted that the prince had visited. Even though that's nothing to do okay. Yeah. I'm fine. It's a very tenuous link, but both are about his weird sexual nature. Oh, that is true. <laughs> he yeah. did. Yes, he was an. He would. Let's let's call him an odd bird. Was it? It wasn't him that had the sex chair, was it? Um, I don't actually know. It may have been. He I think was, that was um, Prince Edward. Uh, well, it's, it's too, I mean, have all you the seen that chair? It's fucking hysterical. Oh, I've seen the chair. I've never it's seen it in person. So I've seen pictures funny. of it. It is very funny. Um, Somerset basically kind of implicated himself immediately because he not only sorted out legal representation for both new love and hammond mm -hmm. sending his own personal solicitor oh my um and paying the legal fees he also left the country fair enough like where that is where did he go where's it where's he it legal to, to be gay oh it's pro they're probably fine with it though. i mean I, the I thing don't is think... he went to france and then the government there wouldn't let him stay so he came back to england then he went somewhere else then he came back again then he went back to france and kind of stayed there I'm actually trying to remember if there, I'm sure there were laws against. Um, oh, most likely. But I'm not. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, that that was why the Marquis de Sade got in prison, mm. wasn't it? That and his that general. Just, that yeah. and his general everything. Oh God, let's not yeah. get back into the Marquis de Sade again, shall we? Marquis de Sade. No, 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 let's leave him. Uh, so New Love was rewarded for his cooperation in the case, uh, receiving only four months hard labour. Oh, that's uh, nice of them. Yeah, for gross indecency and procuring. 
Whereas um, some of the other boys, including um, someone who had been sacked from the Telegraph office for indecent conduct with many of the boys, uh, a man by the name of George Veck, uh, he was given nine months. Does that mean he was a creepy creeper who creeped? Yes. Mm, That's gross. I know. That's not fun. But even so, like, nine months when you can be given up to two years... It's pretty lenient. That's not bad. Although, yeah. I'm sure those nine months would not have been a... a you know, they they wouldn't have been a, a... They wouldn't have been fun. They would not have been a kind of, you know, Swedish sauna of a time. No. 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 Um, but these lenient sentences did lead many to believe that this was due to the involvement of people the government viewed as their own. Oh, because if they gave these people really horrible sentences, then they would then be kind of... Uh, they would want to continue throwing these people under the bus. Whereas if they're like, look, we've been really nice to you. Like, obviously we had to arrest you because otherwise people would ask questions. But like, we've been really nice to you. So can you shut the fuck up? So, However, yeah. they did not shut the fuck up. Oh, no. Um, also a note here. Lord Arthur Somerset flood fled to Bad Homburg oh, yeah. first. Germany? Yep, a spa town in Germany. Yeah, that's what bad means. It means mm-hmm. bath. means bath. I'm a linguist. Um, and he did this at first under the guise of following the prince who had gone to uh, it, to Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, he then moved to Hanover, then France, mm-hmm. um, and it was suspected that he had been warned by the government to kind of protect his reputation. Hmm. Uh, Hammond, our owner of 19 Cleveland Street, fled to Belgium <laughs> and then onwards to America, his passage having been paid for by Somerset. Very nice. It's a good thing that it's a good thing they're very not homophobic in America. I'm sure he had a great time. Oh yeah, he was probably having so much fun. Not at all. Uh, but by January 1890, 60 subs... Uh, subs- fucking hell. You are right there, Suspects. Fam. Listen, my mouth doesn't work sometimes. <laughs> Uh, 60 suspects had been identified, 22 of whom had fled the country. But most were lords or well-known social figures. I mean, I'm guessing that the brothel was quite upper class. Yeah, I mean, we later on kind of get an idea of how much it cost to even, you know, get in the building. Oh, you had to pay to get in the building? Yeah. Wow, like it's Glastonbury Mm -hmm. or something. You had to pay at the door. It's like a club. I don't. I don't fucks with places where you need to pay to just get in. You know. No, me either. Unless there's like more free stuff inside. That's like yeah. If you went to Disneyland and they made you pay before you went on all the rides. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Um. Um. But at this point, um, there wasn't a whole lot of press attention. No. It was kind of flying under the radar. That's very for the most interesting. Part. But just bef- uh, after the break, Ooh. we will get into someone who did pay attention. Ooh, another investigative journalist. Is this the WT Stead of the of the hour? Yes. Wonderful. But yeah, uh, so I will get into him a little bit uh. after the break because I need. A drink. <laughs> yes, it's it's another gin episode, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. it is. Or red wine. I do have red wine. Mix them, dude. Mix them. 
Oh, God. A cocktail. <laughs> That's the taste of 1890 right there. Yeah. On that note, on that, uh, I'm going to go on that away very now. sour note. <laughs> See you in a bit. Has everyone gone to the toilet? Has everyone used no. the services? Because we're leaving now. Mess, I need to go to the toilet now. Oh, well, you're too late. We've gone now. Gonna have to hold it in until we get back to 2019. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so as I mentioned, um, up to this point, the scandal had got basically little yeah. to no press. Um, within Britain, at least, it was getting press attention outside of Britain. Oh, really? In in, um, in Europe? Yeah. Or in the states? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they love a good kind of scandal involving the rich do and they, wealthy. That's the same term. The do rich they and love powerful. Also, maybe a scandal where the about Britain. Possibly, I can mm, I can imagine that I can imagine France being so. like, oh, oh yes, this is very very good. Um, <laughs> The French, the English can't control themselves. And no, I love France. I also love, I also love making fun of France, though. So you know, don't don't do it. Don't do it. It's very easy. Oh, very much the same. (laughs) It's the national pastime. Um, but yeah. Uh, so it eventually got picked up by our hero of the hour, Mm uh, Mr. Ernest Park of the North London Press. Um, which was a pretty small uh, weekly newspaper, but it was pretty politically mm-hmm. radical. Um, and how 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 would you describe its politics? Well, it campaigned a lot for better pay for workers, which is ah communism. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but other than that, it mostly covered kind of local council meetings. So you know, super exciting. Dude, dude, don't um, don't knock minutes on local council meetings. That's I read true. a lot of them that's for like rec- like um, I went to one for what they were going to do with Holloway Prison, and it was really interesting. Um, if you want to oh, rail against go. gentrification, then that is the place to be. I do. Um, however, he kind of picked up the story, and upon finding out that the boys had received both very light sentences and also not very much much in the way of mm-hmm. kind of defamation in the press. He looked into it further and discovered that they had named several kind of wealthy, mm. powerful and well-known clients um, and began to look into it more. Uh, on September 28th, he published a story on the case hinting at these clients, kind of naming like the mm-hmm. son of a duke or a friend of a lord kind of thing Mm -hmm. so he could get away without being sued for libel but then in November he went ahead and named both Lord Somerset and also Henry Fitzroy claiming that they had been clients of Cleveland Street and had fled the country Um, Lord Somerset had however Henry Fitzroy had not and so he sued Park for libel so, so, so Park's um, aim here was to kind of expose the uh, the upper classes. Yeah, and also yeah, okay. the kind of there's again. I think it was in 
No, 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 this was in a text I was reading. The whole idea of there's one law for the poor and another law for the rich. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Okay, so that actually is yeah. quite radical, I suppose. Yeah, okay. Um, so it went to... So he was, he was the Ian Hislop of his day. I don't know who that is. You never seen, you know, you never seen who's, uh, not whose lines anyway, what am I talking about? Have I got news for you? No, I've never been a have I got news for you kind of person. I've always been more of a QI. Never, you never read private. To be fair, actually, it's quite fair you don't know who Ian Hislop is because you're not over the age of 45, so... (laughs) <laughs> I'll let you have that one. You are an exception. Oh, I am the exception to every yeah. rule ever. Um, so this went to ca- uh, court, uh-huh. obviously, uh, and Houston admitted that he had visited 19 Cleveland Street yeah. um, after being ca- given a card by a tout in Piccadilly. And we've all been given a card by a tout in Piccadilly. Oh, we absolutely have. <laughs> um, the card had promised uh, poses plastique or strip teasers. I was about to say, qu'est-ce que c'est? But uh, I've never heard it. I've never heard them called that before, and I think they should go back to it. I think so too. Yeah, that sounds kind. Of, that sounds. That sounds like what what Gunther von Hagen's does at Body Worlds. It does, <laughs> and that is also in Piccadilly. It's all coming Come full, full circle. Fucking circle too. Um, but he claimed it said nowhere on the card that it was men. He claimed he assumed. That it would be women. Naturally. I mean, to be fair, I would assume that also. Yeah. His story went that he arrived, uh, he paid a sovereign to get in. How much is a sovereign? Well, by today's standards, it's worth roughly £127. Well, you better at least get some free drinks with that, you know what I'm saying? You'd hope so. I hope they're included in this. <laughs> My note on this was worth £127 today, Jesus Christ. How desperate was he to see some titties? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and after entering, uh, the man at the door made a quote-unquote indecent proposal, at which case Houston called him a scoundrel, threatened violence if he wasn't allowed to leave, and left in a sense of, you know, self-satisfaction. kind of uh, pre- satisfaction. Self-righteousness. Yes, that's the word I wanted. Happy that he had done the right thing. Exactly. An indecent proposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story was believed by some. Uh-huh. I mean, he's a rich white man, so that's unsurprising. Yes. Uh, the New York Herald, for example, uh, went so far as to say that Euston's interest was innocent, <laughs> and he probably believed the building was a casino. He was still, tr- he was still trying to look mm-hmm. at naked ladies, even if that story was true. Which yeah. is, but that's that's fine because that's heterosexual. So we don't I would have thought people would be railing against it more after the Maiden tribute, etc. But nah, but if they were, these were all you know, ladies of age. <laughs> oh, it's know. fine. It's it's fine then. It's fine. Then. Yeah. Okay. Um, Park, however, was convinced that his version of the story would be believed. Mm-hmm. Um, he had witnesses who had seen Houston in Nineteen Cleveland Street, and had what was called a fair trial fund. Mm-hmm. Um, which was created for him by H.W. Massingham, who later became one of the most famous journalists of his day, um, with signatories including a Liverpool mm-hmm. MP, another journalist, and an Irish nationalist uh, nationalism com- campaigner. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm. 
Especially because another famous Irishman comes into play a little bit later. Okay, okay, okay. So we've got kind of Captain Planet team, and when they all team up, they they yeah. they create they we've create Karl Marx or something. I don't know. Oh, God, I've no idea what's going. On. Um. So the trial starts in eighteen ninety. Mm-hmm. Uh. First, Euston is cross-examined, uh, with the lawyers claiming it was indecent and shameful that a for- that forty-one-year-old Euston was visiting stripteasers. I uh, yeah. He claimed they could be very artistic and made sure everyone knew he was very hetero. It's art. He's like, I like looking at naked ladies because it is natural as a man to want to look at titties. <laughs> Did he say it exactly like that? I hope so. Me too. <laughs> That's how I would say it. Um, however... Tragedy kind of struck when some of Park's earlier witnesses began to kind of contradict each other. They were, you know, their descriptions didn't match up, their stories didn't match up. Um, And so it all came down kind of to his main witness, his star witness. Uh, An Irish actor and sex worker, please welcome to the stage, Dublin Jack. That's a great name. Mm-hmm. Any relation to Spring Hill Jack? I hope so. Please, Mr. Jack was my father. <laughs> um, I will say I'm only going to be doing like a kind of brief look uh-huh. at uh, Dublin Jack just because he's only part of the bigger story. But if his story is interesting to you, um, my friends over at Dead Cat on the Line did a whole... I think it was either... A single episode or a two-part episode on uh, Jack Saul, which is his actual name. I'm already intrigued by this character. Uh, So uh, John Saul, Mm -hmm. his Christian name, uh, was originally from Dublin. Oh, really? He was the second... Yeah. He was the second child and eldest son of eight. Oosh. Born in 1857. He had probably started. He had started walking out with soldiers. <laughs> now I don't know what that means. I know what that means because it's him. Do you tell me? You know, is it a sex thing? Yes, giving I them, assumed give, it was give, giving them a fun time. Ah, For, in, in exchange, goods and services were being exchanged. Got you. The free market economy is strong. <laughs> My notes are literally. I don't know if this is a euphemism. Obviously, but this is Jack that's Saul, a euphemism. So probably that's a that's a yeah. euphemism. They, they weren't they weren't just going on strolls around the garden together. <laughs> Perambulating. <laughs> they were, yeah, they weren't just. Ugh. Okay. Um, but he started doing this in Ireland in the eighteen seventies. While sodomy, but not homosexuality, was illegal. Yeah, you can work your way around that. Yeah, um, some high level... Pretty easily, actually. Mm. Um, Some high level friends found him work with a doctor friend, uh, which he stayed with for a while. Uh, But after being caught in an attempted burglary, Jack moved to London. Um, He there became a rent boy and eventually moved into Cleveland Street as what is called a Marianne. (laughs) What? Uh, I assume basically a rent boy, uh, but a live-in rent Mar- boy. Where does Marianne come? You know what? It doesn't matter. I, I don't wow. know to be honest. But early on, he became the subject of an erotic book called uh, "The Sins of the Cities of the Plains." 
Um, I'm gonna need that title to be redone. Mm. Bit, bit too many. <laughs> the sins of the cities of the plains. Doesn't yeah. Really scan. Sorry. Continue. But it was potentially a memoir. Okay. But most likely, it's more of a non-fiction novel. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. He was also a subject of the sequel book as well. I don't have the name of that one, but I hope it's Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> um, but actually, interestingly, there's still a copy of that. It's one of the only copies, I think, still in existence at the British Library. Right. They have a copy of The Sins of the Cities of the Plains. We can go We can go there and read some old-timey gay porn. Please. I want to do that. <laughs> I would love to do that. So. Please come down to London so we can visit Bo yeah. and then go to the British yes. Library. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, okay. In 1884, so he... This was not his first scandal, the Cleveland Street scandal. It was not his first, not by any means. Well, I would. I should think not. Yeah. In 1884, we have the Dublin Castle scandal. Irish nationalists alleged that there were homosexual orgies happening at the castle amongst staff. Okay. Um, And this was particularly damning because the castle at the time was the seat of the British government's administration. That is somewhat damning, yes. Yeah. Uh, One of those accused of conspiracy to commit indecent acts, uh, Martin Kierwan, I'm probably pronouncing Mm -hmm. that wrong, I apologise, um, who was a captain in the Royal Irish Fusiliers, had been a sexual partner of Saul's. And so Saul is brought back from uh, London to Ireland to be a crown witness. Okay. Yeah. Um, he ha- he never actually gave, ev- gave testimony, but he was interviewed by police. Right. Uh, But the reason he didn't go to testimony, supposedly, is because his evidence was considered too old. Mm -hmm. So, because I'm assuming it came from when he was walking out with soldiers, so it was over over 20 years old at that point. How old was this guy? Uh, By the time of the Cleveland Street scandal, he's 33. So he started when he was 13? Yep. I mean, I shouldn't be mm-hmm. disgusted anymore, but I'm still disgusted. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. He gets back to London. He gets a job in Drury Lane Theatre for a little while, though his name never appears on any of the cast lists. No, that's a, that's a euphemism, I think, still goes on. Getting mm-hmm. a job in Drury I... Lane Theatre, if you know what I mean. <laughs> just with Dublin Jack, just assume everything is um, a euphemism. Yes. Oh, I am. Oh, one of my favourite things about him, by the way, because I found this in basically every description about him, because there are no photos that Mm -hmm. exist of him, sadly. Um, But people disagree on his age, people disagree on his hair colour, but everyone is like, he was gorgeous and had a huge dick. That is... (laughs) I mean, would you really... What a legend. What a legacy. Would you remember any other detail? No. Well, quite. So this man was beautiful yeah. and well endowed, and that's all you need to know. Honestly, about him. good for him. Mm-hmm. I hope that's the kind of legacy I, I want hope to he leave lived behind. his best life each and every day. I'm sure he did. He, but he did work. So I, the reason I mentioned Drury Lane, even though it seems like a passing thing, is he worked there the same time as a man named Alexander Mayrick Broadley. Hmm. who was one of the suspects in the Cleveland Street scandal. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, Saul, as mentioned before, was the kind of main witness in Park's case. Um, his manner was described as brazen effrontery that kind of made the, the crowd very shocked, very sort of clutching their, you know, their their collars and, oh my! Yes. Kind of thing. That's just how I imagine all Victorian audiences are with everything. Yeah. I think it's because at that point he'd been sex working or doing sex work, let's use that term, <laughs> for quite a while. So he was just like, you know, this is this is my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was also described as witty, effeminate, uh, sharp, and defiant, kind of casting off the image that the court and the papers had been creating uh, of the poor innocent boys corrupted and exploited by the wealthy. Honestly, I want to like go out for a margarita with this guy. He sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he cast this off because he was a professional prostitute. He was like, I'm not yeah. poor and, you know, innocent and being corrupted. I chose to do this. Heck yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I again, good for him. Yeah. I do think the, you know, the poor innocent boys corrupted by wealth is definitely a, a leftover from the Maiden Tribute. Oh yeah, totally. Act. Totally, yeah. Case. Thing. The, 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 the maiden <laughs> scandal the, yes let's just call it that the scandal of the... yeah yeah no um i yeah I, I was actually wondering like to what extent the kind of morality would have applied because a lot of maiden tribute was very tied up with sort of female sexuality but yeah i, I guess they're still arguing mm. about the exploitation of children um but yeah this dude is not a child obviously but also the kind of degeneracy of the wealthy yes that is and how there were different laws for them and what they could get away with as opposed to um, the poor. That is always a popular narrative. Um, he, you know, described his sexual encounters with Lord Euston in eye-watering detail. <laughs> because of course he did. Oh, please tell me that is like in a court transcript. That would be great. I hope it is. Wonderful. And I want to find it. Oh, I'm sure it's out there. Um, he told them he had met Euston, whom he called the Duke, um, sometime after moving back into 19 Cleveland Street in 1887, after the uh, uh, after working in Jury Lane Theatre. Working. Um, a quote included, And were you hunted out by police? No, they have never interfered. They have always been kind to me. Do you mean that they deliberately shut their eyes to your infamous practices? They have had their, to shut their eyes to more than me. Oh, snap. Mm. So he's not only going, you know, they've not paid attention to me even though I've been right under their nose. Even though I have been I have been as gay as I possibly can be right in front of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right in yeah. front of them. They've closed their eyes to I've a I've been lot. wearing Hawaiian shirts. And rainbow shorts. I I have been sitting weird. That's my pride outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, I don't go to pride. It's incredibly uh, corporate. It's too hot. It is. Who has Last the time? year, the main reason I didn't go was because it was too fucking hot. Yeah. And I was like, it's just... There was one year I went literally in a toga. Good idea, actually. Yeah, that's a great way to go. Last mm. year, when I was here, it was on the same day as both a heavy metal concert in Camden and, like, the football. And... The fan, oh, the, the kind of crowd streaming out were very strange combination of people. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, but you know somewhere imagine. there is a gay metal fan of just staring sadly at his calendar, being like, oh, football's on today. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do Sorry. <laughs> However, the problem was with using Jack Saul as a, refer- as a witness is that he was instantly viewed as a criminal, naturally, um, and also of a loathsome nature and low morality. I mean, that is... I mean, same. Yeah. But when that was pitted against Euston, who's, you know, uh, an earl... Oh. Um, it meant that his account wasn't taken as evidence by the judge and jury. Okay. Essentially, the fact that he had worked as a quote-unquote actor had been brought up. The fact that he had a fancy, you know, an expensive-looking ring, a kind of, um, I think they're called swagger sticks. What? Like a cane that you don't really need, but it's fashion sweaty, look it up. I didn't know they were called swagger sticks. I think that's a modern term. I don't think that's a... A contemporary term. That does sound like it might be one of those ridiculous Victorian terms that sounds fake but is real. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know they exist because canes were just fashion. Yes. Um, but I don't know if that's the actual term. <laughs> let's, um, let's go with that. But he was essentially torn apart by the jury and the defence. And so Park was successfully sued and imprisoned for libel uh, he was sentenced to a year in prison yeah, in eighteen. Get to hang out with his, with his good friend W. T. Stead. Exactly. They get to be really they good friends. They could have been boys in jail. Woo! That's not boys gay at all. <laughs> Just two bros chilling in a jail cell, <laughs> five feet apart because they're not gay. They're really not gay. They've, they've been proved. Mm-hmm. Well, not them, but you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, turned out though, Saul was most likely telling the truth. Completely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, why would he uh, lie? Mm. Unless he had, unless he had a grudge against Euston. Yeah, uh, but Euston turned out to be a regular character in the gay underworld of London. Of course. And was blackmailed pretty regularly for it, to a level where Oscar Wilde said that the person doing it needed a Victoria Cross for his tenacity. <laughs> that is a that is a very Oscar Wilde quote. It is. <laughs> Um, after this, uh, Somerset's lawyer was put on trial for obstruction of justice, uh-huh. uh, namely for helping Hammond and several of the other boys escape the country. Uh, he was defended by the lawyer who had prosecuted Park. Mm-hmm. Um, he pled guilty to assisting Hammond because there was a paper trail for that and received six weeks in prison. That's not bad. That's a little mini break. That's a little, yeah. you know, that's a little, little getaway. Uh, Labuschere, the man behind this bullshit, butcher, yes. uh, believed that there had been a government cover-up and took his concerns to them in February 1890. Mm-hmm. He was eventually kicked out because they fucking hated him. Uh, he does sound kind of insufferable. <laughs> yeah, he was very much known for kind of obstructing the government right, okay. for his own ends. And he conti- But he continued to believe that many of the higher-ups, including mm-hmm. Lord Salisbury... The Prime Minister, the Prime Minister. Uh, had hushed things up to protect those in high places, potentially even the Prince. Oh, now, I just, I can't believe that would happen. There'd be some kind of weird sex thing going on and people in really high positions of power would cover it up. I know, would, would, who's would, ever heard would, of would that? Would cover it up? I can't believe who's that. Who's ever heard 
bad. That would never I happen. Just don't, oh, I'm blown away. I'm shocked. Shocked and scandalised. I am shocked. Indeed. My wig has been Oh, it snatched. has been... Oh, it is an orbit. Yes. Right now. Or to quote, again, Sophia Nygaard, I've mentioned her twice now. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, my Merkin. It's flown. <laughs> yeah, that's... The wig of 2019. Oh, I will... I, the is Merkin. it of 2019? They've been around for a while. That, I, always, I always think of them as quite a Victorian thing. So I, I guess we've gone full circle. No, no, no the why? Why back. are they coming back? Why? <laughs> I don't like the seventies are you, back in fashion. Just let it grow. I'm not having this conversation. Okay. Um. So while eventually the case did come to a close, um, it did have a very kind of lasting effect on um, like kind of public perception. Yeah. And the public perspective on homosexuality. Oh, I can imagine. And a lot of outrage and homophobia really lingered. Oh, no, did it? Yeah. It kind mm. of mixed in with the outrage from the Maiden Tribute Act. Uh, why do I keep calling it the Act? The Maiden Tribute. Um, and it created this kind of horrible cloud of just this idea that there are corrupt and lust-filled aristocrats dragging young and innocent men down into the depths of depravity with them. Which mixes with that troubling narrative about um, uh, gay men being predatory, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the terms at the time for gay men was pederasts. Yes, yes. Oh, Mm. yes. Because of the links to ancient Greece. Mm Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. It is. It's very uncomfortable. I mean, that's that's yeah. still an attitude you see today. Oh, absolutely. Like and all the time. And it absolutely comes from this kind of setup. Yeah. Um. It was believed that homosexuality was tied up with wealth and greed. Um. One radical of the time, a man called George, uh, John Nifton. Knifton. I don't know. Uh, claimed working class men were free from the taint. <laughs> <laughs> taint. Oh, that's funny. Ah, it's your turn to giggle inappropriately. That's a very funny quote. <laughs> um, though admitted that if gold was offered, these young men might be tempted into Might be corruption. tempted into trying to taint, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so it creates this narrative that not only, as you said, gay men are predators. Yeah, yeah. It's also tied into other social evils like greed. Yes, yes. And hmm. corruption. Not just sometimes, sometimes, what if we kissed in Fitzrovia and we're both boys? And we're both men. Yeah, exactly. That's and a... one of us is sl- quite a lot younger than the other one, and that's okay. That's fine. I mean, if you're both overage, then yeah. do do. That's all do that matters. You, boo. Although, if a man who's much older than you starts showing interest in you, and you're very young, question his motives. Yeah, maybe do that a little bit. Why can't he get a partner his own age? That was why he called me by my name was a bit uncomfortable for me. Oh, it was so uncomfortable. Mm. <sighs> Anyway, anyway, um, the most lasting effect it had, though, was cre- like I said, creating this intense hatred of homosexuals. Yeah. Um, leaving very fertile ground for a case that would happen a few years later, in eighteen ninety-five. What a year! Yeah. Um, this obviously, uh, or not? I don't know. I don't know if everyone's 
uh, queer histories up to, uh, you know, this depth. Uh, this was the tri- the trial of Oscar Wilde. Oh yeah, now this is a. Uh, I've seen mm-hmm. the movie, the one with Stephen Fry. You know, yeah. when when with. See, I haven't watched that because I don't want to see Stephen Fry's O face. It, 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 it does feature, yes. I've got to say, uh, yeah. young twink Jude Law is very good enough. Yeah, and I really, mm. you know, I support him in the fact that one of his first kind of film roles was playing a gay man. Also, it has Orlando Bloom in a very early role. Yeah. Which is... Doesn't it also mindful. have Michael Sheen? Yes, it does. Yay! <laughs> oh, it's a veritable cornucopia. Of twinks. Yeah, well, yeah. And Stephen Fry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um. <laughs> um. He so he originally was in court to try and sue um the Marquis of mm. Queensbury for yes. libel. Um, the Marquis was the father of I think the father yeah the father of Lord Alfred Douglas, otherwise known as Bosey. Jude Law, no. Jude Law, baby Jude but he Law. He was a long-term lover of Oscar Wilde. He, that he was, yes. Mm-hmm. So what happened is that he went on trial, he went to court for libel, and while this court case was happening, uh, stuff started to come out about him. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly it went from him being in the position of the prosecution to him being in the position of the defence. Right. And he was put on trial for gross indecency um, and was given the full two years hard labour sentence. Poor Oscar Wilde. The very kind of, if we could have given you more, we would have kind of insinuation. And it's very hard to be fabulous and pithy when you're doing hard labour in a Victorian prison. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I remember there was a thing on QI that essentially part of how he was uh, he, he was persecuted or, or convicted, that's the word I wanted, um, was the fact that when he laughed, he would cover his mouth. Maybe. Which was viewed as very effeminate. But it was actually because he had syphilis, I believe, or some, <laughs> maybe not syphilis. He was using mercury as a medicine for something. That whole sentence is just a disaster so far. I'm sorry. I, I know, I'm sorry. Oh no, not you, just everything about the yeah. content of it. <laughs> um, but essentially him taking mercury had turned his teeth a really horrible colour, like green. Nice. Um, so he was covering his mouth to hide that. Which is pretty, pretty gay of him. Yeah, so gay. So gay. But he, yeah, he was given this sentence for his multiple relationships with younger men. Uh, especially though his relationship with Bosey, and he gave a very kind of famous speech, I think, but a very impassioned speech in relation to oh, this. Oh, the the uh, relationship. the love that dare not speak of its yeah. name, which actually yeah, yeah, yeah. isn't an Oscar Wilde original. It does come from no. a poem by Bosey, interestingly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that kind of little speech that he gives is how I'd like to round out this episode. Please. Um, I have only taken part of it, and I will say it is in relation to the kind of benefits or um, in the defence of the relationship between older men and younger men. Which can be a bit ooshed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, st- I still think it's it's worth yes, remembering yes. As, a, as a quote. Um, 
I I hope I will do this justice, dear God, with my... Do your best Oscar Wilde impression. No. (laughs) You're not feeling decadent enough. No. It is that deep spiritual affection that is as pure as it is perfect. It dictates and pervades great works of art like those of Shakespeare and Michelangelo. It is in this century misunderstood, so much, so much misunderstood, that it may now be described as the love that dare not speak its name, and on account of it I am placed where I am now. It is beautiful, it is fine, it is the noblest form of affection. There is nothing unnatural about it. Yeah, that is quite nice. Mm. Um, and sadly, uh, I hate to end on a bummer, but you know, uh, Wilde never fully recovered from his prison time. No, he did not. Um, it kind of haunted him. Mm. Um, and he died a mere three years later in Paris. He did die pretty fabulously in Paris, mm. um, which is at least something. And he is buried pretty fabulously. Yeah, in Père Lachaise. Oui, which you will be going to soon, is that correct? It'll be my third time <laughs> I've never been. I've been to Paris three times, but I've never been to Père Lachaise. It's actually now surrounded by a glass wall. Fair enough. Because so many people were kissing it. I wouldn't... I uh, would indeed make out with the statue of Oscar Wilde, yes. I mean, I did kiss the glass and then got a fucking flu, so... (laughs) You know. Mm. Um, But yeah, even the glass now is just covered, even though there's multiple signs being like... We have to cover this up. It'll cut. I don't cover this up. Clean this up. It costs us money. Don't do it. And yeah, people are like, I'm gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, but Oscar Wilde would Oscar want me Wilde to do it. Oscar so Wilde would want me I'm gonna to do it. smear some Jolie Rouge clarins over my lips and then mm, exactly make out on it. I'm sure it's what he would have wanted. Yeah. I really hope that thing about his last words being either I go or those curtains do is true. Um, I don't know if it's true, but I, I, I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of brings us to the end of the, the Cleveland Which, Street Scandal. Yeah, another event that really had a, a very high impact on mm. British society for a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things I feel like a lot of people don't know about it, but they felt the effects it's had. Yes. Yes, yes. Or they know about other people who've been affected by it, like Oscar mm. Wilde or, yes. or Alan yeah. Turing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could do a coda about Alan Turing. Mm. Um, I mean, we've already, we've already kind of covered his story, but yeah, that's mm. very unfortunate, really. And many other people who were not as well known also, mm. yeah, Absolutely. also suffering under that. Um, <laughs> you have a bummer, really, um. isn't it? So yeah, on that on that happy <laughs> note, um, <laughs> uh, we are going to be moving on to the spooky side. Yes, we are. I'm very mm-hmm. excited about this. This is our first ghost you want story. A hint. Oh, okay. Um. Ah, uh, let me think. How can I hint? Um. A well, it's probably the best known ghost story in Britain, but also probably the most contentious. That's fair. That's a good way of describing it. And we have an intriguing central character who is <gasps> adjacent to the kind of mystery itself. I love it. Yes. I'm excited. And also it has one of my sort of one thing I find very interesting in that the site where it took place no longer exists. So we only we can uh-huh. only kind of learn about it second hand. But yes, it's going to be yeah. spooky. It's going to be our first real 
um, foray into ghost territory. Yay! Yeah, that's going to be fun. I'm excited. Um, I mean, there are so many great uh, British ghost stories, but I thought this one was quite quite appropriate to start with. Mm. Well, we'll both be doing ghost stories. Oh yeah, we'll both do ghost stories. Mm -hmm. This one was also... I didn't, um, it was in my big book of hauntings that I had as a kid, and I remember ah. finding it, I found it a bit dull, but then, like, I reread it when I was older, and I was like, this is a great story. There we go. Like, this is, yeah, this is a really good story, like, uh, you know, it's, it's. I think they did make a drama about it, or, they, or mm. a book. It was either a book or, like, a TV drama, I forget. But, well, there's a terrible film about it. Is there? Truly terrible. Yeah, I, I will text you about it once we're done. Yeah, I have to. I, I don't. I, I have to know what film this is, <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to watch it because yeah. I can only watch bad films. I'll post you it then. Yeah. On that note. On that bombshell. Uh, hope you join us next time for yeah. some spooky ghost stories. Oh, it's gonna be spooky. And if you know a gay man, yeah, please hug them. Yes. Or a gay person, just a queer. Just, or LGBTQ person. It's not easy. Just give them a hug. It's difficult. Consensually. Yes, it's difficult out there. And thankful it it's not illegal in this country. Yeah, thankfully. Uh, it's still illegal in a lot of other places. Oh, yeah. And on that note, good night. Good night. <laughs>